Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah Wakafa was salatu was salamu ala ibadi hiladin astafa Amma badufa'udu billahi minash shaytanir rajim bismillahir rahmanir rahim In iddata shuhuri indallahi thna ashara shahran fi kitabillahi yawma khalaqa samawati wal awba minha arba'atun hurum ذلك الدين القيم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم المهاجر من هجر ما نهى الله عنه أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected students of deen brothers and sisters Today is the first of Muharram and new year has commenced and this is a moment to reflect upon many important lessons. One is that as Muslims we have the calendar that Islam has given us and this is the lunar calendar. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala has mentioned that in iddata shuhuri inda Allah hithna ashara shahran fi kitabillah yawma khalaqa samawati wal ard. That Allah Ta'ala, that the number of months in the book of Allah Ta'ala, as Allah Ta'ala has decreed it, as Allah Ta'ala has commanded it, it is 12 months and this is not something that happened at that time only, Allah Ta'ala says from the time we have created the system of the heavens and the earth, from the time we created the entire universe, from that time, this is the system that everything moves in a certain sequence, a certain system, and there are 12 months in the year, this is the system Allah Ta'ala created. Then Allah Ta'ala says, Minha arba'atun hurum. Out of these twelve months, there are four months which are sacred. They are months of greater importance. They have greater virtue and benefits. So the four sacred months, one of the four sacred months is this month of Muharram. So the month of Muharram has special virtue. One is that the entire month is a sacred month. And a sacred month is to be respected more. Every day of the year, one should be conscious of Allah Ta'ala. One should refrain from any disobedience of Allah Ta'ala. But when a sacred time comes, then this requires even more obedience. It requires one to be even more cautious about getting caught up in anything wrong. And this is part of respect respect for the things Allah Ta'ala has given respect to. Somebody has something which they cherish, they regard it as very, very sentimental. Somebody's mother or grandmother gave them some, maybe, whatever it might have been, some item as a, uh, some gift. But now the person holds it very dear. My great grandmother, maybe somebody saw their great-grandmother that great-grandmother gave them something. Might have been something 
very small monetary value. One ring maybe, which was worth maybe now 100 rands also. 100, 200 rands, what's the worth of that ring in terms of monetary value? But, because that pious old lady who she could have given it to anybody, she gave it specially to you. Now, that person who received this as a gift, they cherish it. This is a great something to remember the person by. And it is of sentimental value now. Now, somebody else wants to just think nothing about it, they just take it and toss it somewhere, you feel irritated with it, that how can you deal with this in this manner, this is something very precious to me, why, what made it so precious, it's only 200 rands, it's only 100 rands, it's the sentiment behind it so now when somebody's grandmother and great grandmother, somebody's mother, somebody's uncle, father, whoever gave something and that becomes sentimental, we don't want anybody to disrespect it and just throw it around so what about that which Allah Ta'ala has granted respect to? What Allah Ta'ala has said that this is special, this is above the normal uh, position of days in the year, this is something has a special virtue. So if we just disregard it, don't give it any thought, don't give it any concern, any care, we just continue as if nothing happened, then obviously this is not going to be a good thing for us. In fact, this is going to be a very, uh, it's something that's going to be harmful for us. In the Hadith Sharif, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in fact, in the Quran Sharif, Allah Taala says, "Wama yu'adhim sha'ir Allah, fa innaha min taqwa al-qulub." Those who respect the symbols of Deen, this is something which is a sign of the taqwa of the heart of the person. What we learn from this is that respect in Deen is an extremely important aspect which must be maintained at all times. These Mubarak months, these special days, this requires extra respect. So in any case, this is a time when they have, when they are extra virtues and extra rewards of the A'mal. In the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned that in the month of Muharram, any fast, any day that a person fasts in this month, the reward of it is equivalent to the fast of one month, meaning one day equal to the reward of one month. So a person fasts one day, it's like he fasted 30 days. Now imagine somebody working for one day, and for that one day's work he gets the wages and salary for the whole month. Nobody will do that for us. But Allah Ta'ala is saying, you work this one day, and I'll give you one month's salary, so to say. One month's reward of fasting. So it's nafil, but we can try one or two fasts at least, during the course of this Mubarak month. Then comes the very important days of Ashura, which will be next week, Wednesday and Thursday. Inshallah, next week we will remind ourselves of this virtue again. But just from now to be focusing our minds towards these occasions, that we start mentally preparing ourselves from now, that Inshallah we will try to fast on the 9th and the 10th of Muharram. The specific day is the 10th of Muharram, the day of Ashura. But together with it, we should fast on the 9th of Muharram as well. Now, in this is a very important virtue. In the Hadith Sharif, it is mentioned that the person who fasts on the 10th of Muharram, the day of Ashura, Allah Ta'ala 
makes it a means of compensation of the sins of the past year. All the minor sins, we take it for granted, minor sins, but Allah forbid that these things can become a big problem for a person on the day of Qiyamah if these did not get forgiven. So this is an opportunity and when these sins get forgiven, it removes the blockages that come in our way. Many things get blocked, many good things get blocked. Why? Because of sins. In the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned that the risk of a person was being descended but sometimes due to a sin that gets uplifted. It was coming down for the person but the sin he committed it blocked that risk. Now this is one aspect mentioned in the Hadith Sharif. From this we can understand that there are many times blockages of various sorts. Many things get blocked. Many good things get blocked. And the reason for getting blocked is our misdoings, our sins, the wrongs that we do. Now we want these blockages to come out. We want these obstacles to be removed. We want to receive the blessings. So Allah Ta'ala is giving us these opportunities. That a person makes a little bit of effort, makes the effort to fast on the 10th of Muharram, and together with it the 9th or the 11th, and this becomes the means of this great reward, this great virtue and benefit. So we should make this effort, we should try. So, this is one virtue of this, and this was a fast which was originally compulsory, the fast of the 10th of Muharram, first this was compulsory on the Ummah, then the month of Ramadan became compulsory and the fast of Ashura became nafil. It was now optional. Those who wished to fast would fast. If a person did not want to fast, it was not compulsory. There was no sin. There was no obligation on anybody. So in any case, this was a very virtuous fast. It was the beginning of the fasting of the Ummah in terms of first fast. So we should try. Whatever is possible, we should try to take the advantage of fasting on this day. Then we mentioned several times already about fasting on the 9th and 10th. The 10th is the actual day of Ashura. Why the 9th and 10th? This is a lesson also we have repeatedly uh, learned this lesson and we have uh, revised it many times. That when Rasulullah came to Madinah Munawwara and he found that the Jews are also fasting. This fast Nabi Islam used to keep, he used to keep it from Makkah Mukarramah. The Quraysh used to fast also on this day. Nabi Islam used to fast on this day also. Then when he came to Madinah Munawwara, Nabi Islam continued because this was the virtue of the day of Ashura. Nabi Islam continued. But now he came to know the Sahaba brought it to his attention that the Jews also fast on this day. So Rasulullah Islam inquired from them, Why do you fast? So they replied and said that we fast because Musa and his people were given salvation on this day. They were saved from the clutches of Fir'aun. And Fir'aun and his people were destroyed. So this was a very very great moment. It was a great blessing of Allah Ta'ala. So in a token of gratitude we fast on this day. Nabi Islam replied and said, نَحْنُ أَحَقُّ وَأَوْلَى بِمُوسَى مِنْكُمْ 
we are closer and more worthy of Musa salam than you. We are more worthy of showing gratitude to Allah Ta'ala for this great blessing on Musa salam. So therefore we will fast as well. We are fasting. We will continue on this note as well. But then Nabi Salaam also said to the Sahaba that you fast on the 9th and he even mentioned if I remain alive next year I will certainly fast on the 9th also. But that didn't materialize before the next year the Muharram, the Ashura of next year could come. Rasulullah had left the dunya. But the lesson in this was that why did Nabi Salaam give this instruction? In one Hadith Sharif it is mentioned that Nabi Salaam said to the Sahaba Sumu Ashura wa Khaliful Yahud. You fast on the day of Ashura, but oppose the Yahud. You fast a day before or a day after as well. Why? You will now break the resemblance with the Yahud. Now this is the very important point for us to reflect on. This aspect of breaking the resemblance with the Yahud. The Yahud we have been in many places instructed in the Quran, in the hadith, hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that we should not follow the ways of the Yahud and Nasara, we should oppose the ways of the Yahud and Nasara. This has been mentioned on many occasions. And here again the same lesson. Now this is a point for us to stop and reflect on. How many times in our life, in our day-to-day life, on a day-to-day basis, we do things purely in emulation of the Yahud and Nasara things which they have brought out onto the market, things that they have made a fashion, things that they have made a status symbol in terms of their ways, specific manner of doing things, and because that becomes fashionable, because it has come from them. So because it's now, they made it with the hype of the media, and with all the other things that go around, they made it this fashion. They made it that this is it. If a person is doing it in this way, dressing in this style, then the person is in moving with the times. Otherwise, the person is outdated. And yet, we choose that deliberately. We don't choose anything else. We have discussed this topic on numerous occasions. And as mentioned before, we will keep discussing it too. Because there is a scourge. There is a plague out there in terms of immorality and shamelessness and especially in the manner of dressing this is getting from bad to worse now that type of dressing that is being chosen by our Muslim sisters, mothers daughters and by even the males as well the type of dressing which the West has put out and every other day it's getting worse. It's getting more shameless. Now, is this not an emulation of the West? Why else is a person doing it? Why aren't they wearing the flowing garments maybe of Nigerians or some other community or some other culture? No, specifically this because the West has got this stranglehold over the media and they use that to push this. And besides that, this is more shameless and that is what they want. That is what they want the whole world to now take on to. Because when a community becomes shameless, then that shameless community is not interested in important things in life. They are not interested in, in fact, what is being done to them to 
even destroy their dunya, let alone their deen. What kind of plots and plans are being made to totally enslave them? That too, they, they lose track of it. When shamelessness creeps in, then the only thing that becomes important to a person is how to have fun. Now, everything revolves around that. But just that now, in order to have fun, you need to now earn. So now you need to live your life too, so you must earn. So you must work, you must have a pro- job, a profession, or whatever. But the primary focus of life is to have fun. But that fun, that fun, clean fun doesn't have any fun. That fun must be all kinds of whatever wrongs and evils and vices they are and shamelessness, all that is fun. So now from bad to worse it keeps getting because the old things become boring. So new things must keep coming up. Now this is a point for us to sit and reflect. Inshallah we will make the effort to fast on the 9th and 10th of Muharram. Allah Ta'ala give all of us the tawfiq and Allah Ta'ala make it easy for one and all. It's not farz, it's not wajib, it's nafil, but it's a very great reward and we should try. So Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq, but now this is that very important lesson to take and not just in, a, in an intellectual level, but on a practical level. How? That there are many things in my life I should reflect what are the things in my life which I am doing regardless of all the excuses I will make with my nafs. That, uh, no, no, I don't, I'm not doing it in emulation. I'm not wearing these jeans and so on in emulation of the West. I'm just wearing it. But who just wears something? It's not just wearing it because they have made it fashionable despite the shamelessness in it. Despite whatever it might compromise in terms of our deen, in terms of haya, in terms of all the other things. That doesn't matter to us now, unfortunately. What matters is now that I must be part of the times. So now, that is being done in emulation of the kuffar, we imitating them, whether we uh, say it in so many words or not, but that's the reality of it. Now, this is the lesson we have to take, that we want to be close to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And he is telling us, he is saying, Look, don't resemble them. You resemble me. So I am doing it in this way, you do it in this way now. So, not only in the fast of Ashura, but in his whole life, in every aspect of his Mubarak life. This is the lesson that we are always given, that in the whole life of Rasulullah this is his Mubarak life, this is what we are supposed to do. And this is how we are supposed to conduct ourselves, emulate him, follow him. He is the personality that has all that concern for us. He is the personality that sacrificed everything for us, that underwent all those hardships for us, that has such great love for us, that at all the difficult times he was concerned about his ummah, and the ummah now turns their back onto him, they worried about sports stars. They worried about all kinds of falling stars. What this person is doing, they want to follow in their footsteps. And they want to dress like them. They want to have their kind of hairstyles. All the people who are the celebrities, so-called celebrities of dunya, they don't even have iman, many of them, 99% of them. And uh, their lifestyle is a completely morally decadent lifestyle complete shamelessness is a 
is a part and parcel of that lifestyle. And we abandon Nauzubillah, the way of Rasulullah and we want to emulate that. What a severe thing this is. How painful and hurtful this would be on the Mubarak heart of Rasulullah that this person is abandoning my way to adopt this shameless way of my enemies. We need to digest this lesson. It's not just a talk. It's not just some theory. It's not just some points for us to write down. No, this is something to take deep down into our hearts. To sit and reflect. I'm going to have to, I'm going to want the sifarish and the intercession of Rasulullah on the day of Qiyamah. I want him to intercede on my behalf. I want to be raised with him on the day of Qiyamah. I don't want to be raised with the people of the West. I don't want to be raised with these people who are heading towards destruction. I want to be raised with Rasulullah I want to be raised with Hazrat Fatima anha, who had that extent of haya which Rasulullah endorsed when on one occasion Nabi asked the Sahaba a question and the question was that what is the best thing for a woman? Now, this was a question. What is the best thing for a woman? And they couldn't uh, think of anything that was what was the required answer at that time. So in any case, Ali radiallahu ta'ala came and he inquired from Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, his wife, that Nabi Islam asked this question. So what is the answer? So she said, could you, didn't you know the answer? The best thing for her is, she does not see any non-mahram and nobody gets to see her. Meaning she adopts that level of parda and she has that amount of haya in her that this is how she conducts herself. Now that is the best thing for a woman. Nabi Wasallam, when he heard about this answer of Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala came and he mentioned it to him. Nabi Wasallam was elated. And he said, after all, she is my daughter. So this answer she gave is the right answer. And this is the effect that has passed on to her. After all, she is my daughter. So in any case, this is that lesson that we need to reflect on, to surround, to think about it. To really think about it. Not just cursorily, just by the way, well, we heard one discussion, one talk, and we move on in life, and like nothing happened thereafter. No, to sit down and reflect, to ponder. Where am I heading? Tomorrow, I might be gone from dunya already. It happens all the time. Young people also go sometimes. Older people go. We have no idea when. But sooner or later, one day, we are all going to have to go. Nobody is going to remain here forever. When the time comes, at that time, all these fashions and all these things of the dunya, nothing is going to be of any avail to us. What will be of great help to us is what we did in terms of our deen how much of haya we inculcated, how much of the ittiba and the emulation of Rasulullah we had in our lives. That is, what will incul- that is what will determine how we will succeed. The people of dunya are not going to come and help us there. It's the, what we did for our deen, how much we sacrificed for Allah and His Rasul That is what will be of avail to us. So this is what we need to now start focusing on. So, mashallah, this day of Ashura is already on our doorstep. 
and we should be making the efforts, we should be thinking about it, inshallah, Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq, that we should try and fast these two days. But together with fasting and taking the benefits and the rewards of it, let us take this message in particular, that from now on, I am going to do my utmost to follow closely in the footsteps of Rasulullah Wasallam and to follow his Mubarak teachings. And in terms of those things that are specific to women, then who could have known better than the Sahabiyat, the azwaj mutahharat the household of Rasulullah who could have known better than them? They set the standard of what pleases the heart of Rasulullah And they were the foreigners. Now that is what we need to look at. Not look at the all the distortions that are taking place in this time and age. The ways of the West is one problem already, the major problem, and together with that, all the kinds of distortions that take place, misunderstandings, misinterpretations, and everything is given a modern kind of explanation to appease ourselves, that no, we are doing what is right, but we are making our own interpretations of it. So, we just appease ourselves that now we are fine. Whereas that is not going to work on the day of Tiamat. So let us think about this. Let us ponder over it. I want to be close to Rasulullah I want his intercession. How am I going to get this? By following the ways of his enemies. We mentioned the example previously as well that a person wants to go to Makkah Mukarrama. So now they want to go to Makkah Mukarrama so they are going to have to board the flight that is headed in that direction. But now the person is sitting on a flight that is going towards New York. And he saying, I want to go to Makkah Sharif. I want to go to Medina Sharif. But where I am heading? I am sitting on the flight that is flying towards New York. That is flying towards London and Paris. And that is flying towards Tel Aviv. Now that is where this plane is flying. But I want to go to Medina Munawara. How am I going to reach there? I am going to reach all these places if I am boarding that flight. If I want to go to Medina Munawara, I am going to have to board the flight that goes to Medina Munawara. That is the flight of the Sunnah that will take us to Rasulullah and make us close to him. And when we get close to him by following him, that is what Allah Ta'ala loves. That will make us close to Allah Ta'ala. So on this 10th of Muharram, this is the very, very important lesson that we need to revise, we need to inculcate, we need to think about deeply, we need to ponder over, reflect upon, and then take practical steps. Practical steps. What are the practical steps? Again, we are going to come to the same subject of the clothing. Take a very careful look, not from our eyes, pull the clothing out and try as best as we can to look through the eyes of the Sahabiyat. We can't do that in reality. Their standard was very high. So we won't even manage to do that in reality, but we can try. We'll get a different picture. If we try, we'll get a very different picture. And sometimes, if we can't go all the way back for many of us, if we just go back to our 
we might not have seen our great grandmothers, those who are now maybe still in their 15s and 20s. So now we're going to have to go back to our, our great grandmothers. Maybe our mothers might have seen them. Our grandmothers might have seen them. If you look through their eyes also, if you look through their eyes also, this might sound a little bit harsh, but we need to now come to understand where we have gone, how far we have gone. If you have to just look through the eyes of our great-grandmothers, I'm talking about now people who perhaps they lived their lives and they were already in their old age by the 70s. Now we're not talking about them years. We're talking about now going back about 45, 50 years ago. These people had already passed their 40s and 50s by that time. Now there was a very high standard of haya across the board at that time. And if we have to look at the clothing we have today from the eyes of our great grandmothers, those who had all grandmothers also who had already reached their 40s and 50s by the time it was in the early 70s, 1970 and so on. If we have to look through their eyes, the reality is that we might put on some of the clothing out of disgust. Disgust on what note? That how can this ever be worn? Is this something that anybody can wear? That is the reaction they had in that time. Nowadays, because of it becoming so common, it becomes a sign or, or, or a, a symbol of being in touch with the times. Many regard it as a kind of respect for themselves. So disrespect has become respect. Shamelessness has become fine. But this is what the West has done over time. And to the extent that we keep following the Western lifestyle, Allah forbid, this slide will continue. These are the occasions to turn this tide around. Now, we are talking about practical steps. Let us start discarding something. Discard something purely on the note that this doesn't conform to the dictates of Haya that Deen has taught. I am looking at it with, through the eyes of the Sahabiyat, trying to look at it with the eyes of the Sahabiyat. I can see it now. And if I can't go that far back, my great-grandmother's eyes I can look through. I'll see it also. If we try to do it, we'll see it. <coughs> so let's take some practical step. Get rid of something that we know we can, our heart will testify. Our heart will testify that this is not in accordance to the dictates of Haya. Our hearts will testify. It's too tight. It's showing off the figure in some way. It is, again these are things which are not spoken about in public in this manner, but this is become a common melody that the clothing, the kind of clothing that is wrong, people, elderly people in the home, I'm talking about grandfathers in the home, come and complain that please talk about this because my own daughters and granddaughters are dressing in such a way that I'm feeling disgusted but I can't say anything about it. Now, the person of the house is feeling disgusted but he's, for some reason, whatever the reasons are, Allah knows, but he can't say anything about it. So this is a very serious thing that is happening in our communities, our society, we need to start taking note of this and these are the very important occasions when we can take these practical steps for the pleasure of Allah alone. 
And this is the kind of jihad of the time. And Allah Ta'ala will reward those who take this courage to move forward, to now turn this tide and set the trend of haya, set the trend of modesty and shame. Allah will reward them. And they'll see the peace that will come in their lives. They'll see the blessings that will come in this dunya already. What is in akhirat is beyond imagination. They will see it. There's an initial stage of some kind of little bit of perseverance to remain firm, to just ignore the comments, to not bother about all these uh, things that people might say. Remain firm. But when the person remains firm, then Allah Ta'ala opens away. And that brings the barakat and blessings already in this dunya. What comes in the akhirah is beyond imagination. Billah tabarak wa ta'ala, give us a tawfiq. Allah Ta'ala enable us to take this lesson to heart and to become a means of the coolness of the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa To bring happiness to his Mubarak heart. To bring peace to his Mubarak heart by doing that which emulates him. And saving his Mubarak heart from pain by doing that which emulates his enemies. Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq. وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحسي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير وجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين